Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Um, it, it, it was one of my, one of the coolest parts about yesterday was, um, you know, I, I got up about, well, I went outside about six o'clock and hooked up the trailer and, um, there was, there was a couple of people that had rolled out of their bedrolls at, at six and, um, I went back inside and, or I went and did my chores and then went back inside and then I went back out and I got ace cause I was going to go help a local rancher do, uh, pull some bulls off. It was time to take the bulls off the cows. And so it was really cool going through there and the kids were going to ride that day. And we have all these pins set up with all their horses in there. And I was saddling up my horse too and leading him out there. And I had some people say, well, where, where are you going? I said, well, I'm going to go get some, I'm going to go day work, you know, and, and just to, to allow them to see that part of Save the Cowboy, because Save the Cowboy is more than, than just a, uh, than just a church service on Sunday. This is a Monday through Monday type thing. Our Christianity doesn't start or end with, with, with a church service on Sunday morning. This is a 24-hour day, seven days a week. You know, I, I don't just talk about cowboying on Sunday mornings. I, I'm out there doing it on Saturdays, on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, nearly any day of the week. Um, you can find me doing something. And so yesterday, whenever we went and pulled the bulls off, um, as I was loading up in the trailer, my good buddy Nate, he says, he says, where are you going? I said, I'm going to pull bulls off. He goes, we got to invest in a, in a, in a, what do you, what'd you call that thing? A GoPro to put on your hat because you always get yourself in a wreck. And I was like, ah, oh, I'm not going to get myself in a wreck today. Let me tell you about what happened yesterday. So we're going out there, and I'm riding Ace because Fiona's got a cut on her leg, and so I'm riding Ace, and Ace is, is, is uh, he, he was Methuselah's first horse, and so Ace don't, you know, he just wants to go, he just wants to walk, and so we had a long ways to go, and of course, when you're working with bulls, especially when you're pulling them off, it is a perfect illustration of what it means to have endurance and patience at the same time. And y'all cowboys that have, have ranched and, and worked uh, cattle, you know what I mean by that. But we went along, and, and everything was going good. Everything was going good. We'd, we'd got all the bulls that we were going to get that morning, and we was headed for the, where we were going to pen them. But, like, nearly all morning, now I've got these big old stovepipe boots that I wear, and my pants are stuck in my boots, and, and I'm walking, you know, riding along. And every once in a while, it just feels like something brushed my leg. I looked down and, what was that? But it, it wasn't, it just lasted a split second, so I didn't think anything about it. And I mean, I'm pushing a bull by myself and it happened again. And I was like, what in the world is that, you know? And so it, it kind of felt like maybe you had a, uh, a piece of grass on your sock or something like that. And it's just kind of tickling your leg a little bit, but nothing doing. So anyway, we're riding along and, and, and uh, Robert has to go get this other bull that, that didn't, make it, didn't make a transition. And, and so we're going along, and, and he gives me that bull. So I've got this Hereford bull and this big black bull right here, and then he's got some on this side. And one of them decided to vacate the premises, so, so Robert had to go get him. And that was of God. He just didn't know it right then. Because I'm riding along, and I've got, what, 
four bulls on this side, two bulls on this side of the fence, and I'm fixing to go through a wire gap gate. And um, Robert's over there chasing this bull that decided just to, you know, he was going to Kiowa, I guess. And so I'm riding along, and all of a sudden I felt that little tickle again. And I thought, what in the world is that? And then it made itself known, although I would had no known of what it was, but whatever it was was about this big, and it decided to crawl up my pants leg, and it was heading north at Mach 3. So while Robert's at nearly a dead run trying to cut this bull off, I jump off and I have to drop my britches out there in the pasture. But it kind of gets caught in the folds. So not only am I dropping my britches, I'm having to dig to see what this monster is. And so I finally find it, and I don't know how in the world a grasshopper about this big got in my britches. Okay, I ain't a very big fellow. There's not a lot of room in my skinny britches. The only thing I can think of is it, it, it kind of come in and went down my pants, you know, went down my boot and then up my pants and... Oh my goodness gracious. Now you know why it's glad I didn't have the GoPro. That might have been just a tad bit awkward. But you know what? If something this... Oh, and the funny part was, is, is when Robert got back with the bull, I said, hey, you did good out there. He said, thanks. I said, do you see what happened? He said, no. I said, good. If something that small can be that powerful... I mean, I've, I've had... You know, 1,000-pound horses try to buck me off that didn't get it accomplished. I've had lesser ones that got it accomplished, but that's beside the point. But I've had 1,000-pound horses that tried to buck me off. I don't like to admit this a lot, but I have been on a bull or two. And, you know, nothing got me off quicker <laughs> than that grasshopper going up my leg. Well, if something that small can be that powerful, how much more powerful can we be when we ask God for His strength? In Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 and 11, the good book says this, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. So that you... And, and here's the whole point of this whole series that we're doing. We're in week 3. This is why we're going over these verses. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every single way. Bearing fruit in every good work. We talked about that week one. Growing in the knowledge of God. We talked about that in week two. Being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. Be strengthened. That's, that's, what, that's what it says right here. Be strengthened with all the power according to His glorious might. Be strengthened. Now, why would we need God's strength? Why would we need to be strengthened by God? You ever find yourself tired and just kind of plumb wore out, tuckered out? Kind of feel like Ty after a weekend of youth? And uh, is that, Maybe you don't feel tired, but do you have a hard time finishing what you start? Or, or, or maybe even getting the energy to start something that you know maybe God is calling you to? Do you find yourself getting short with people? You know, you, you used to kind of be able to put up with a lot, but now it seems like the smallest little thing kind of, kind of sets you off. Does, does that... Is any of those things, an those are things that are indicators that maybe we need to be asking God for strength to live, a, uh, to live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way. Paul says in the letter to the Colossians, 
He says, you will have to use God's strength and not your own. It says, we pray that being strengthened with all the power according to His glorious might, be strengthened in God. One, yeah, and, and I saw a buddy of mine's got a, got a real cool kind of gray shirt on today. And I looked at it and I said, that's part of my sermon today because it's Philippians 4.13. Philippians 4.13, a lot of people know it. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So does this mean that you can do anything you want to? I mean, does this just say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, so all I have to do is ask God for His, for His strength, and then I can just go do whatever I want to. N not necessarily. That, that's not a, just a, a, a card to be played whenever you want to go do something. What does it mean? It means that God will give you the strength to do His will, and God will give you the strength to fulfill His purposes. This isn't anything about you. It, it doesn't say I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me so that you can do your will. God is not going to give you His strength and His might so that you can go fulfill your purposes. He wants you to fulfill His purposes. Or better yet, it's going to be His purposes that are going to be filled through you. To do God's will and fulfill His purpose, to live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, you're going to need two things. Now, a lot of times, you know, we may be reading the Bible or you may be sitting out there listening to a verse and it just sounds like the preachers, you know, blah, 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 blah. But if you really look at what it's saying, it says right here, being strengthened with all the power, with all power according to His glorious might, not our glorious might, because our glorious might is like next to nothing, according to His glorious might, so that you may have, and then it lists two things, two things that we all as Christians are going to need to do His will and to fulfill His purpose. The first thing it says is, strengthened with all power according to His glorious might so that you may have great endurance. Endurance. God has called every believer to live a holy life, and to do that, you're going to need a mighty dose of endurance through God's power. So, so you know, and, and, I, and I know a lot of you, may, maybe you, you're, you don't really like organized religion. Some of you are wondering why, why you're even here. Maybe it's your first time and you're like, oh my gosh, this is so different than my grandma's, you know, First Baptist Church and, you know, we didn't sing three songs and, and all of this stuff. But, but listen to this. What is a holy life? A holy life is living the way God says to live without excuses. Because how many times, you know, it, boy, it's easy for us to tell other people, man, you don't, you don't need to be doing that. You don't need to be doing that. You don't need to be doing that. Yet God's sitting over here going, well, you don't need to be doing that. You don't need to be doing that. You don't need to be doing that. To live a holy, what is a holy life? It's living the way God says to live without excuse. And, and a lot of times, you know, one of my pet peeves, and, and while I totally agree with the statement, it's just like fingernails on a chalkboard, is when people excuse their sin by saying, well, we're all sinners. Well, you, you know what? You, you're right. You, we, we all, I mean, it's not our master anymore, and we'll never be fully away from it or, or anything until we meet Jesus face to face, whether He comes for us or we go to Him. But the trick is, is we don't need to be making excuses for living in a manner other than what the Bible tells us to. That's what a holy life is. 
Also, a holy life is knowing God personally. I mean, you know, a, a, a lot of people, I, I tell the story of, of uh, when I worked on the San Pedro Ranch, I rode Tommy Lee Jones' polo horses. Now, just because I rode Tommy Lee Jones' polo horses, Tommy Lee Jones doesn't even know I exist. I was a ranch hand. There were about 100 probably people that rode his horses over the years. I was just another one on the list without a name. And I, I sat from me to tie from Tommy Lee Jones in a restaurant in Van Horn, Texas, because he has a ranch there. And I was actually talking to my dad at the time. Dad said, go over there and talk to him. Tell him he used to ride his horses. I said, he doesn't care. The guy sitting with him probably rides his horses too. They're not even talking. I'm not going to go talk to him. But just because I did all that doesn't mean that I know him personally. And, and unfortunately, a lot of people know a lot of facts about God, and they, they know who he is, but they don't hang out with him. They don't ride with him. They don't follow the same trail that he does. When he's busting through the brush, they're going on their own way. And, and they're not depending on him because God wants to snub you up close to him so he can protect you. And yet, we, we just want to do everything on our own. To live a holy life, we've got to live the way he says to live without excuses. Quit making excuses for, for what you do that you know God doesn't want you to do. It's really plain and simple. To live a holy life, you've got to know God personally. You've got to hang out with Him. You've got to ride. You've got to ask Him, man, I'm having a problem with this old bronc right here, call it this, this sin or whatever it is. I need you to snub me up close and take care of me. And you've got to love others unconditionally. You know, that, that is thrown around like, oh, just love them unconditionally, love them unconditionally. Well, it ain't that easy, I promise you. Let, let me give you a little bit of a definition of how we're supposed to love people. When you love somebody... If they cannot take advantage, take advantage of you, then you're not loving them. See, most people, they'll do something, but not to the point that they can be taken advantage of. Well, you know, I'll, I'll do this for them, but I'm not going to do this because they can just take advantage of it. That's when love starts, is when somebody can take advantage of it. And you know what? Most of the time, I think people will take advantage of it. But the problem is, lost my train of thought. My, my problem. The problem with that is people want to guard themselves. They don't want to open themselves up. But whenever you do love somebody unconditionally, what happens is they know it. They know that they're taking advantage of you. And that's kind of the little opening that God will sometimes use to change people's lives. To live a holy life, live the way he says to live without excuse. Know God personally. Love others unconditionally. A holy life can only be lived through the strength that only God can give. That's it. You, I, I promise you, depending on yourself will get you this far. Right there. Th that's as far as you'll ever make it in life, depending on yourself. But you know what? You can go from here to eternity depending on Jesus and God's strength. You know, I said that you got to live life without excuses. A lot of people say, well, I, you know, I don't know how to do that. Man, there's this thing called the Bible that is absolutely full of things that you should do, kind of uh, God saying, hey, man, do it this way, because when you do it this way, you'll stay out of a wreck. He's not trying to keep you from having fun. He's trying to keep you out of a wreck. But simply knowing what the Bible says, um, Andy Stanley actually said this, and, and, and I love it. I know, I know, I, no, I'm not going to say I know. I have seen and been around some people that can quote the Bible, and usually they're quoting it while they're wagging their finger at you. Knowing what the Bible says only, only knowing what the Bible says makes people haughty. Not a haughty, haughty. haughty. Everybody say that with me, haughty. I'm going to have to spit in a minute. Haughty. 
Knowing, um, merely knowing what the Bible says makes people haughty. Living how the Bible says to live makes people holy. Why do we need endurance? Why, why are we talking about this? Why did Paul say it in such a way that he says, um, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. I mean, he used words this big and about this long, so that you might have great endurance. Why do we need endurance? Well, I think it's pretty obvious because we need endurance because it's way too easy to quit. And every single one of us in here have quit something that we know we should have kept going. It's too easy to quit. We need endurance because there's a constant force trying to get us to give up this life and go back to the simple one we used to live. I mean, you know, I was thinking about this last week. Most people want an extraordinary life, but they settle for normal because they, at the first sign of, what's the word I'm looking for? Resistance. They want an extraordinary life, and they go after that extraordinary life until they've hit the first sign of resistance, and then they stop. See, God has called us beyond that resistance, a hundred miles, an eternal miles past that resistance, and only by depending on God's glorious might will we have the endurance to reach it. The, the last thing, and, and this isn't an exhaustive list, it's just three ways that I'm trying to teach you why we need endurance. Anyone can do things for a short amount of time, but you know they are from God when they continue when most people would quit. Isn't that right? I mean, anybody can act a certain way in a short amount of time, but in order you'll know, I'm fixing to kung fu that thing. I'm gonna hit it so hard they'll all go extinct, <laughs> according to God's glorious might. And who was it? I think it's Daryl that was telling me that. He said, "I said I was gonna have one fly up my nose, and sure enough, there was one. It's because I smell good. Did you get that nose? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Anyone can do something for a short amount of time." God wants to see who you are over a long period of time, and we need endurance because a lot of us are like, man, I want to get closer to God, and I want to know Him better and better, and we're doing this series at Save the Cowboy called Better and Better, and I want to do it, and oh, it's hard. I quit. Can't do it. You're never going to realize the promises of God because a lot of people are like, well, I tried to be a Christian for like two hours, and it was hard. I quit. Duh. Well, you got to get through that because the devil's just going to say, hey, stop. And most of us go, okay, I'm done. When we can just walk right through it. You ever seen a bull? Does a fence keep a bull in? No, it cannot keep a bull in. But unfortunately, we look good. We look all strong like a bunch of bulls, but we stay in the same little pasture that the devil put us in because we walk up to the wire and go, oh, that's, ow, that poked me in the nose. I'm going to stay right here. Praise be to God. When you can just walk right through it. I hope that you walk right through the fences that the devil is keeping you in. But you'll need God's glorious might to do it. The second thing he said, okay, let's pray because we're fixing to talk about patience. Now, I know no, nobody in here needs help with patience, right? Nobody, everybody's got it nailed. I mean, we can just skip past this part, right? Let me give you some ideas of what patience actually is. Patience is to deny yourself the knee-jerk reaction. Think about that. Patience is denying yourself the knee-jerk reaction. You know that reaction you have when somebody cuts you off? That immediate reaction? Or, or when, you know, uh, somebody spills something? Uh, that, that was my bad one. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sorry, Griffin. I'm sorry, Riley. It was just one of my pet peeves. And when they were little, when they'd spill something, I'd, you know? Patience is avoiding the knee-jerk reaction. 
Patience is also simply controlling your emotions and your actions. Think about that. Isn't that what patience is? Is controlling our emotions and our actions. When something goes wrong or we just got to say, you know what? Hang on just a second. My emotions are trying to take control of me right now and I'm going to have that knee-jerk reaction to kick that old fella in the teeth that just, you know, I'm going to flip him off or honk our horn. And you don't know what's going on. Let that fool get in front of you. He's going to get somebody else in a wreck. Let him get on up there before he does that. Hopefully he does it by himself if that's the case. Patience is to deny yourself the knee-jerk reaction. Patience is simply controlling your own emotions and your actions. Patience is what happens when you quit blaming others for your actions. Well, they shouldn't have. <laughs> These three girls over here, the bathroom's right back over here. It's got a, it's got a girl on it. Thought Bailey, thought they had grasshoppers in their britches. Patience is what happens when you quit blaming other people for your actions, you know. But isn't that the way it always goes? You blow up and you get mad and you say, well, if they hadn't, I know you do that. Why? Because I know that I do that. Quit blaming people for your actions. Patience is denying yourself. That's, that's all throughout the Bible. Deny yourself. It's not about you. Deny yourself the knee-jerk reaction. Patience is controlling your own emotions and actions. And you know what? You are in control of your own emotions. Emotions are real, but they are not real reliable. You know, you may be having the worst day or the worst week in history and you're walking around just short with everybody and just leave me alone and right. This isn't the worst week ever because if it was the worst week ever, then it would be the worst week ever for everybody. Yet some people are walking around like, man, this is the greatest week of my life. And you're like, shut up. No, it's not. Just because you're having a bad day doesn't mean somebody else is having a bad day. So the trick is controlling your emotions. Your emotions are in control of you. They don't have to be. You are in control. Actually, you are giving yourself over to your emotions. Emotions are real. They are not real reliable. And the last thing, patience isn't waiting. Most people, isn't that what we associate? Oh, you got to have patience. You got to have patience. And we immediately go to that deal of, you know, sit there with our hands, you know, underneath us or, or something like that. You know, just wait, wait, wait. Patience isn't waiting. Patience is trusting God. That's what patience is. Patience is trusting God, or more importantly, trusting in God's timing. Last thoughts on endurance and patience. There are two types of Christians. Maybe you are a Christian or you want to be a Christian. You've, you, you've realized that, that, that going your own way hasn't gotten you very far and, and, and you want to go further. You want to have an extraordinary life, an extraordinary life. You want to experience what Jesus was talking about when he said, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. You want to experience that. There are two types of Christians. Those that are doing what God has called them to do and those that are waiting for God to call them to do it. Those are two types of Christians. And, and you may not be a Christian right now, and that's, that's fine. But you're here for a reason because God has called you. Even if you didn't know Him, He knows you. And He wants you to be one of these Christ followers. Or as in the, in, in the, in the original text, it calls the way. A, a movement. Not necessarily belonging to a, to a one-hour church service on Sunday, but giving yourself over to ride for God's brand each and every day. There are two types of Christians, those doing what God has called them to do and waiting for God to call them. The first ones, 
to those God has called. If, you, if you're doing, you know, and I'm not saying that, that it'll never change, but, it, you know, if you're like Ty, God, Ty has stepped up to the challenge and he's, he's trying to live and he's, he's, he's going about his life. He's doing what God has called him to do. And he's going to need endurance to keep going. He's going to need God's glorious might. And I promise you, you're going to think I'm joking. Whenever I was a pastor down at the Pecos County Cowboy Church in Fort Stockton, Texas, there was this one time where one of the supposed leaders in the church just blasted me. I mean, he talks bad stuff about my wife and everything. And the only place to sit down after we had put the chairs up was on a toilet. Now, I wasn't sitting on, I was sitting on the toilet, but not sitting on the toilet. And, and I remember vividly sitting there on a closed toilet and thinking, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And finally, I said, you know what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to give up. I'm going to do what God has called me to do. I'm going to continue to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and preach Jesus Christ alone and His glorious might. And if anybody doesn't like it, that's their problem. But I am not going to stop doing what God has called me to do. If you are one of these cowboys, if you are one of these cowgirls that know what you're supposed to do, don't give up. You're going to need God's endurance to keep going. And to those that God is preparing, are you, do you know what it is that God has called you to do? A lot of, I mean, that's the question I get asked more than anything. I don't know what God wants me to do. Well, that means you're in the preparation stage. I was in the preparation stage for nearly 30 years before he called me to it. To those who God is preparing, you're going to need patience to keep from getting ahead of him. Because that, isn't that what it is? I always tell people, be careful whenever you start asking God, tell me what you want me to do, God, because whenever he tells you to do it, most of the time you're going to go, except for that. That was, you know... If you'd have told me 10 years ago that I'd be a preacher today, we could have fist fought about it if you wanted to pursue it, because that's who I was. If I didn't like what you said, I'd let you know about it, and if you didn't take my side, we could fight about it. But I wanted to do what God wanted me to do, but I didn't want the responsibility of living my life to be held accountable by God. I'm held more accountable than you are. The Bible says so. But if you are doing what God has told you to do, sometimes you're like, oh man, I just want to quit. And these other people over here that God hasn't revealed to them yet, they're like, I wish I could do what God has called me to do. No, you don't. <laughs> so you're, we need both. We need endurance and we need patience. You want to get to know God better and better? Do you want to live a life worthy of Him and a life ple that pleases God, you're definitely going to need some endurance and patience. And I hope today that you have a new outlook on what it means to have endurance and what patience actually means to deny yourself, to take control of your own emotions and your own actions, to quit blaming other people for, for what you say and what you do and to trust in God's timing. Let's go to God in prayer. Dear God, we ask you right now to Strengthen us in the battle to come. This fight is not against flesh and blood, but against the evil forces that attack us every day and try to make us turn away from you. God, help us to continue to follow you and to trust in you for everything, not just for some things, but everything. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you all for coming. We'll see you next week.